I think it was the theologians who first started the idea, later the philosophers took it over, and now some of the scientists are doing the same. What you are comes out in what you do. You see the point? Out of ourselves and into Christ, we must go. This is Chats Under the Sun with Jacob Volk. I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, we are recording. I feel like I always oscillate between like Uncle Wilf and Aunt Sharon and Mr. and Mrs. Boat. Mr. Like, and Mrs. Boat. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Boat is way too old. Yeah. I, I feel like I've called you Uncle and Aunt like when I was like eight or nine or something like that. So, <laughs> so I might stick good. with that. Whatever you want to go that. with today, if whatever makes you feel comfortable is good. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you guys so much for, for being willing to do this. Like I'm really excited to talk about your story and, and hear about the work that you guys do here. That's great. So, yeah, we're excited to be here as well, for cool. sure. Can you give me like a a synopsis of, of sort of the, the, just quickly, the type of work that's happening right now that you guys do? And then maybe we'll go back and talk about how you guys got here. Absolutely. Uh, so there's, uh, we're working with migrant workers, um, men and women, mostly from Mexico, uh, some from Guatemala as well come to Canada on contracts, work contracts. So they're here uh, from maybe four months uh, contract to a lot of them are here for eight months. There is one program where they can be here up to two years. Uh, So these men and women are here working in our uh, vineyards and our greenhouses, uh, uh, nurseries, and uh, it's a program that is legal. So they're here uh, with legal protection. So unlike if you're listening from the States, um, there's a lot of people there who are undocumented workers. Uh, these would be people that are here in a, a guest worker program. So that's kind of why the, the, the men and the women are here. Uh, we have been reaching out to them uh, with a number of different things. So kind of in a typical week, we have some things that don't change. Uh, we have uh, church on Sunday evenings in Spanish. Um, we have uh, Tuesday evenings, we have uh, English program. So we teach English, we've got three classes there uh, in beginner, intermediate, advanced. And then in the summer months on uh, uh, Saturday evening, so one Saturday a month, we do a barbecue. So we have barbecue, we do some sports, we do some activities. And those are kind of the, the, the three sort of major things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then filling in between that, so a typical sort of uh, week for myself, uh, we do uh, discipleship groups uh, for people who would like to come to a, a, a more of a personal, maybe deeper knowledge of uh, scripture. Um, a lot of sort of counseling things, so meetings people need to talk with me about uh, personal things that are going on in their lives. Uh, and also a lot of just meeting practical needs, a lot of translation work actually. Mm. So especially in terms of medical situations, uh, medical emergencies that can come up. Uh, often I get a phone call, could be any hour of the day and uh, go pick someone up and take them to the hospital. So those are in a nutshell, some of the things that we're doing in this ministry. I love it. I love the, the Saturday, the Saturday barbecue ones are really fun. Like I've been to a handful of those over the years. And they're, they're just a really good time. It is. It is. It's a, it's a, it is a lot of fun. It's a fun time to kind of bring a Canadian community together with the uh, Hispanic community and just to see everybody get involved in the, the games and the, uh, the sports and the meal. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's a lot of fun. Totally. So walk me back first, if you don't mind. How did you guys meet? Like, how did you end up getting together, getting married? Tell me that story. Um, when I was, I think I was 14 or so, then my fam, 15, okay, 
Then our family joined the church where Wilf's dad was the pastor. Okay. And um, we, I knew of him before because we actually share a mutual cousin, um, which is kind of strange, I suppose, but we are not related. Um, anyways, we joined their church, which was a great, tremendous blessing for our family because uh, not only was Wilf's dad a great biblical pastor, um, but he, they also had a great youth group at that church, which was something that we didn't have before. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we joined their church, and but it wasn't until I think I was 20. Anyways, we got married when I was 22 and Wilf was 24. So, and actually my sister married another one of the pastor's sons, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was kind of how we met. Yeah, for me, definitely, I remember it very distinctly. Uh, it was a Sunday where they came in, and uh, the, the man who's now my father-in-law, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Stell, came in, and I started counting. They had one, two, three, four, five girls that came in behind them into the pew, and uh, it, I still remember seeing that very distinctly. And interesting, yeah, myself and my brother ended up uh, with one of them. Sharon, at that time, did have another young man in her life, uh, but as they say... Um, yeah, he who laughs last. <laughs> I got the prize. Let's put it that way. I got the prize. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell me, um, tell me a bit more about like the youth group that was going on there, and that is the the youth group that started Tamarack. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So this would be going back, um, probably when I was about. Uh, yeah, 14, 15, 16. So my, my dad was the pastor. So, and I had older brothers and sisters in our church. So there was a lot of people, uh, you know, the, the young peoples of our church, I was always kind of familiar with that group. Uh, and when I first joined, so we had, in the way it worked in our church, I had to be 16 to be a member of the youth group. So when I was 16, um, it was really neat to sort of sit back and watch the Spirit of the Lord work in the group that was older than myself. So I'm talking about my, my brother Richard, um, three years older than myself, and, and his friend group. Uh, the Lord really did a, a spiritual change mm. in that age group. And I was younger, and I remember watching them change what they, uh, what they listened to, what they watched, how they spent their time, uh, how they wanted their friendships to be, um, and also a desire to bring the gospel to others. And as a younger man to watch the Spirit of God working in old, it was very impactful in my life. And that was a very beautiful thing. Um, yeah, so that was the, the same for me. Those guys were very impactful, the girls as well, especially just a real, um, yeah, I'd never really seen a love for the Lord in that way and a desire to do the right thing, which was very beautiful. And the encouragement then between all of us to... Uh, be deliberate about our faith was life-changing for my entire family. Yeah. So, For me, it was very helpful because I uh, was, uh, I, in terms of education, I've had Christian education, I've had public education, I've had homeschool, so a lot of different things. Uh, and when I was working through those years of making my faith my own, um, and especially when I was in a public school setting and I had friends who were Muslim, I had friends who were Hindu, I had friends who were atheist, agnostic, and I was working through uh, what religion is right, are any religions right, are they all false? Uh, I had some questions and some soul searching, and I would bring those to our youth group meetings, mm. and we would talk about these things. 
And it was very influential in establishing uh, sort of the ground basis that yeah, we can trust the Bible, and these are reasons why we can trust the Bible. And I can uh, defend my faith, and I can defend the Bible. Mm. It's just very sort of uh, sort of a building a foundation, a strong foundation. As I grew up in the Toronto area, very sort of uh, pluralistic, uh, and to. As I moved in through my my university years at University of Toronto, uh, and interacting with people of, of all different sort of thought trains that there are on this planet, uh, to be able to learn to follow Christ in the middle of of that, my youth group was so foundational, mm-hmm. and it was a real blessing. I, that I had a community that I could uh, walk with others and bring these places these these questions to a safe place. Yeah. That was wonderful. Yeah. It is like it is so crazy to me that your youth group there, the ripple effects, like it built like you guys built some solid foundations that led to some of my closest friends in the world. And you guys, you know, felt called to to do something like Tamarack, which which I it is incalculable how much impact Tamarack has had on my life and so many other of my friends lives like the ripple effects of, of some of those years. I've been so influential to me, a kid born in another country that never like was a part of any of that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I think even for us, uh, Tamarack has and is uh, a huge part of our life, has been and is a huge part of our lives. I, I had the privilege of directing it for two years, so 1996, 1997. Mm. Um, and it was, I, at that time, something that we put a lot of prayer into, uh, very specifically as a youth group praying that the Lord would use that week uh, to change our lives, to yeah. change other people's lives. Um, we should and clarify, Tamarack, I just remember there's a bunch of Americans listening. Tamarack is a week-long camp um, held up north north at a beautiful like uh, campgrounds. And it um, it's, like a, it's like a camp, the kind of camp you have is tons of fun of at nine years old, and then they kind of reboot it for the 22-year-old. Lots of like, <laughs> lots of kind of the same nonsense, but then tons of speakers and and workshops and stuff like that for for kind of what is it like sixteen, seventeen to yeah, 16, 16 and up. Okay, and it's it's a youth led camp, um, and so uh, basically once we were married and moved on, we we passed the baton to others, and the Lord has always raised up mm. uh, leaders to to take that baton and, and move with it. And uh, we have been able to be continue to be involved as chaperones basically since the time that we were married. Usually every other year we've been there as chaperones. And it's hard to believe that, yeah, now three of our children have been to Tamarack and our fourth is going to be going, Lord willing, this, uh, this August. So it's, it's amazing. It's really yeah. exciting for us as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, yeah, where does the story move on from there? How, does, how did you guys get involved in beginning the kind of work that you guys do now? Yeah, it, I would probably say two very influential things. So number one, would have to, we would need to talk here about our families, um, mm. both uh, Sharon and myself, and the role of our families in, in forming us, and also our, our, our young people's years and sort of the uh, desire that the Lord gave us to be used in his kingdom. Uh, so for myself, if we go back to talk about myself, my family, my dad being a pastor, he went into uh, the pastorate when he was a little bit older, uh, and his desire really initially was to be a missionary. 
So uh, he uh, received his seminary education, did three years at Westminster East. That was the only Westminster in those days. Uh, and then had to do a year of penance, sometimes as they called it. He wanted to be in the uh, Christian Reformed Church. So he did a year at, at Calvin Seminary. Uh, so growing up, um, I was already kind of uh, in our circle of, of influencers in our family, people who would you know be sharing our, our table or spending some nights with us. We had a large cross-section of people, um, so seminary professors, uh, people that studied with my dad, um, and yeah, just from a lot of different churches, so Presbyterian churches and Reformed churches uh, from Canada. So uh, my parents always... I were very deliberate with us as children to say, hey, this is a good book to read. Hey, that's a good book to read. Mm. So reading a lot of missionary books, um, having missionaries over, that was really on my dad's heart, uh, missions, even though he uh, didn't end up going as a foreign missionary right off the bat out of seminary. Uh, he was uh, working in the Christian form churches and eventually uh, instrumental in, in some churches that ended up leaving the Christian form church at some point. Um, but in in those years i uh, just the variety of conferences and uh exposure that that my parents uh deliberately i uh, and specifically invited us as kids to be a part of and then when i was 9 my 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 dad spent his summer holidays taking us driving down to Mexico to work with the Independent Presbyterian Churches of Mexico. That was my first missions trip. Uh, we went down with uh, of my siblings, five of us, and my mom and dad, and we drove down in a little hatchback. It was crazy. <laughs> and uh, we spent our summer. That was very, very mind-opening for me. Yeah. Um, the Lord really used that. And basically... From when I was nine uh, until my university years, every year, every other year, we would be in Mexico as a family uh, doing some sort of missions trip. So there was uh, times where I would be with my family doing stuff down in Mexico. There was times where I went on my own to work with missionaries that we had met through the years there. Uh, sometimes I would be teaching English, sometimes I'd be teaching Bible, sometimes I'd be uh, teaching music uh, in Mexico. I did a lot of translation as well for medical teams that would come down from the States. Uh, so my summers of grade <clears throat> 11 and 12, that's what I did for my summer holidays. So, so you had picked up Spanish by this point at, at that age? Well, interestingly enough, I studied in grade 11 and 12 uh, in the homeschooling curriculum that we were using, which is Abeka, and I'll just put a little plug here for Abeka Spanish. Uh, their Spanish education program is amazing, yeah. and there are few Spanish courses that do as good of a job as that one does. So it's, uh, it's a great course, and it did wonders for me. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way. They have a little saying in Spanish, say, querer es poder, which means if you want it, you can do it. And... I did the typical French thing <laughs> that we have to do here in Canada, and I had a rotten attitude about it. Didn't learn too much French, uh, but when you want something, and by that point, because we had done these trips and I had that language barrier there as a kid, uh, I was like, "Hey, I don't want that language barrier there anymore." So I went at it with an attitude, "Hey, I want to learn this," mm -hmm. and by God's grace, I was able to learn it. So definitely, those trips were very instrumental in my life. Um, for two years of my education, I was educated at uh, People's Christian Academy in Toronto, 
which was a school which uh, was founded by Oswald J. Smith and then his son Paul B. Smith and a real missions emphasis. So as a kid, they would do a missions week at school. And I look back and I, I can see the Lord using that in, in my heart to think about the, the needs of the world in terms of receiving the gospel, hearing the gospel. So uh, I think, yeah, Christian education, uh, Abeka, uh, uh, homeschool curriculum as well has a, a strong emphasis on that. And a lot of the, the books that we had to read for Abeka and the books that my parents were giving me, it was just kind of became part of our DNA, I guess, mm-hmm. a little bit to be thinking about this. So definitely family. But then our years in our youth group uh, as well, the Lord really used those years where my peers were saying, yeah, let, let's invite our non-Christian friends to our youth group. Let's, let's, when we hang out together on a Saturday night, let's be deliberate about uh, inviting our non-Christian friends to that. And let's create an environment of things that we do and that we talk about together that the Lord could use to bring people to a saving knowledge of himself. So those, those years were very key years. And just looking around and saying, hey, what can I do now to serve the Lord in my young people's years? Mm. And the Lord did open up opportunities. Our church would do things like uh, choose a neighborhood and, and knock on every single door in the neighborhood and say, hey, does your home have a Bible? Mm. Can we, uh, if you don't have a Bible, can we give you a Bible? And we would go around Toronto area and, and identify neighborhoods and around our church and hand out Bibles. And so many conversations that would come as you knock on people's doors, some very unfriendly conversations, some people would slam the doors in our faces, uh, and, uh, but other people would engage us. Yeah. And you didn't always have the answers. I, I remember feeling sometimes like, oh, I don't know what to say to this. I don't know what to say to that. Uh, but then I would come back, we'd talk about it as a group. And then the next time that same question would come up, you'd be a little better prepared. Um, Definitely something else I think I should talk about uh, was that I was taking some courses at Toronto Baptist Seminary uh, when I finished my undergrad at U of T. And a girl in my class said, hey, I'm thinking about starting up an after-school program for street kids in a certain area of Toronto known as the Junction, which in those days was a very very sort of rougher area of Toronto. And I said, hey, I, I think I could help you with that. And so I, I got involved uh, with that ministry uh, for quite a few years. And when Sharon and I started dating, then Sharon came along and helped out with that. Uh, just, yeah, just saying to the Lord, Lord, what, what, what can we do? Every single Sunday night, our youth group led a service at a nursing home. Mm. And we would play the piano there. We would go get the people from their rooms. And we would, uh, as young men, have to lead the devotionals at that. And so if we were, say, camping with friends, we had to be back Sunday in order to run that service because if we weren't there, that service wasn't running. Yeah. So it was things like that that the Lord just used. Like I just remember like one godly lady uh, that we would sing to every week in her in her bed uh, because she couldn't come down to the services. So a group of us would go to her room and she just loved the hymns and she was a Christian lady. And one day we went up there and the nurse said to us, she said, well, she said, I just want you to know that that lady passed away just a few minutes ago. She said, but if you would like to go in there and sing, you can. So we went in there and I just will never forget singing by the sea of crystal, saints and glory stand as we're looking down at the body of this uh, wonderful Christian lady and the realities of 
of life and death, of the gospel, of heaven, of Christ, and those things, just life-changing moments mm. as a young man. And yeah, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for those opportunities that God gave in those years. Sharon, do you want to? Um, I think for our family, probably it was really, like I mentioned already before, quite life-changing a little bit later, maybe than Will's family, to go to their church and um, just the growth in my parents of wanting to serve the Lord and to be faithful to Him. And uh, at one point when we were teenagers, they decided actually to get rid of the television just for the immorality and whatever it brought to the house. And this was before internet or anything, so there wasn't much left to do. So dad was like, now you guys are reading, I guess. Um, so he would give us the same as well books. I started reading missionary books right then and there and so impactful for me just to, uh, you know, Hudson Taylor and Isabel Kuhn and, and Amy Carmichael and all these people and just uh, their love for the Lord and their passion for the Lord. Um, the Lord used that to teach me so much. Um, and then uh, starting dating wealth, of course, and his passion was uh, meant a lot to me. I started taking um, a night class in Spanish because we really didn't know where he, the Lord was going to lead him. And we, uh, so I took it actually with his mom, which is really, really quite funny. Yes. And we have a lot of hilarious stories from it. She, uh, <laughs> we just had a good time. It was quite funny. Um, and a few other people from church, because like we were saying, a lot of people were like, you know, we just want to serve the Lord. So what should we be doing? So we took this night class and, and then our family went on a mission trip with Wolf's family, actually to Mexico. We drove down together and uh, worked in a church there. So Will's family has obviously had a large impact on yeah. mine, um, which is really beautiful and we're thankful for that. And yeah, then just really struggling to um, do, be bold about my faith on my own. I went to Humber College eventually for nursing and just, I remember praying that the Lord would open doors for me to share the gospel and uh, he really did and it was terrifying. But it was very amazing to me, maybe one of the first times that I was really like, wow, the Lord really answers prayers in this way, and I better be prepared if I'm going to pray that. Um, so, And then helping out uh, in the junction in Toronto as well was a terrifying experience for me because uh, for the first time, um, the kids didn't like us, which <laughs> I was used to being liked all the time, you know, by people. And they were not nice. And But that lady that we worked with, Wolf mentioned her already, he met her at TBS, she was phenomenal and she was such a person of prayer. And she would be like, you know, if no one comes, that's all right, we're just going to pray tonight. And mm. um, so she taught Wolf and I both so much um, about what it meant to serve the Lord and I'm extremely grateful to her for that. Yeah. It sounds like this is, like your stories are just a testimony to really good community and good parenting and just like the just the steady slow real influence of that over the years is that absolutely right? yeah i i don't think wilf and i can thank her parents enough for showing us a steadfast example of what it means to serve the lord and then inspiring us mm. to do other things right and continuing to this day really and i'm just so you know for my grandchildren too 
uh, you know, Wilf's parents still go to Mexico. Wilf's dad is 80 and mm. they still will spend months there. So we're just very grateful to the Lord for that. I love that. Yeah, just to kind of echo some of those comments, I just so thankful for my parents and my in-laws, their role in our lives, our children's lives, uh, their faithfulness, their mm. desire and genuine love for the Lord uh, to just be used by the Lord. Uh, it, it is a wonderful thing, and we're so thankful, both of us, for that heritage. It's a special thing to have. I love that. Yeah. So how do you how do you connect with the migrant workers down here then because at this point in the story you're all up in toronto right now right yeah that's a good question so um my my dad was called to be a missionary in mexico when i was uh, before we were married uh, i think we were engaged and my parents moved to mexico i uh, sort of a, a later stage of life i think that my dad maybe was 55 at the time really yep yeah that's that's an incredible story. In well, that's itself. an incredible story in of itself, right? So at the time, yeah, I was like, you know, yeah, this is great. You know, my parents are going to be missionaries now in Mexico. And it just kind of seemed to fit with the trajectory of our family. But, you know, now that we're grandparents ourselves, I, I'm thinking, okay, so to leave your, your kids and your grandkids, uh, that's not so easily done. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's a, that's, there's a cost, right? There's a human cost to that. So the first years that we were married and as our kids started coming along, uh, we would go down to Mexico, spend those summers in Mexico. Uh, At that point I was teaching uh, as a teacher, I had my summers free. So we were very thankful to be able to go to Mexico to work alongside of my parents as they were looking to plant a church in Mexico. And those were wonderful years and we were very thankful for those years. And the time came where as our kids were getting a little bit older, it was a little bit harder to spend those summers down in Mexico. So I remember praying a very specific prayer. I was like, Lord, I'm a teacher. I have my summers free. I would love to be involved in some sort of ministry opportunity. And if there was something I could do in Spanish, that would be really special. Mm. And... It is amazing how the Lord answers prayers. So Sharon, you said that. I'll say it again. It is amazing. So he really answered that prayer. Uh, some of you who are listening to this know of Mike Sweep. Uh, Mike, Shout out to Mike Sweep. <laughs> Shout out for Mike. Uh, Mike gives me a call and he says, well, some churches down in the Niagara region are looking to start up a ministry amongst some of the Hispanic uh, workers out in this area. Uh, so this was 2001 that uh, I was first asked to come speak at some barbecues that the churches were hosting down here. So they would do a soccer game and afterwards they would have a barbecue and they were looking for someone to give a message uh, in Spanish and in English uh, to the men and the ladies who came to that. And so I was excited to be able to say yes uh, in those early years. And um, 2004 is when it became sort of a, a little bit more of a, of a substantial program. So uh, three churches in the Niagara region here. So this would be the Heritage Reformed Congregation of Jordan, Vineland Free Reformed Church, and Emmanuel United Reformed Church. Those three churches formed a board or a committee uh, to 
uh, sort of formalize a bit of a, of a program. And what that involved uh, at the time was actually asking my dad if his mission board would lend him to this project for the months of May, June, and September, and myself uh, for the months of July and August. So that's kind of how this became a little bit more formalized. Uh, going back to 2004, I would uh, spend my summer holidays here with Sharon and the kids, um, the committee provided housing for us out here, and uh, so we would come down and spend two months uh, living, working out in this area. And that was kind of my introduction in those years uh, to this uh, sort of culture that we have in the Niagara region of having men and women coming up from Hispanic-speaking countries. So that was wonderful, uh, a wonderful beginning. We really enjoyed those years very much. And uh, as the years went by, the uh, the... Uh, some of the, the leadership uh, in the committee at that time asked me, they said, Wolf, would you ever consider leaving your career as a teacher to take on this work in a full-time capacity? And I was teaching in a school in Toronto at the time that I never saw myself leaving, really loved the school. It was uh, a school that was a, is a Christian school, uh, but it was open to anybody who would be willing to understand that this is a, a school where everything's taught from a Christian point of view and that there's going to be Bible classes and there's going to be chapels that are uh, non-optional. So if parents were okay with that, they would send their, their kids to the school. So Probably about 80% of the students are from non-church background. Uh, they would be sort of reflecting the, the makeup of uh, Brampton. So this was uh, sort of Sikh Hindu, um, some sort of non-practicing Muslims, so atheist, uh, mm-hmm. agnostic families. Um, and then of the Christian component of the school, it was sort of every branch of Christianity. So whether it was Catholic, Coptic, uh, Protestant, uh, there was sort of every sort of uh, sort of Christian flag uh, was also represented at the school. So very diverse, multicultural, uh, really loved the school, really loved the staff there and just really felt at home in the school and really enjoyed those years. So I wasn't really looking for a change. Um, and when the committee asked me that, I, I said, I will pray about it. And I did. I started to pray about it. And one of the prayers that I prayed was a very specific prayer that uh, if the Lord would have us move into a full-time capacity with this ministry here in Niagara, that there would that uh, we as a family could possibly have a year in another Hispanic country for my wife to learn some more of the language and the culture and my kids as well. So it was kind of a big ask. And I was like, you know, well, kind of, I, I prayed it, with faith and without faith, because it's kind of like, what's the chances? <laughs> and I, I think it was less than a month later, I received an email from uh, the Free Reform Churches asking if I would be willing to go to Guatemala for a year with a, with our family, uh, in a uh, to help out some churches down there, and there was there was some transition happening. And they thought they that because I spoke the language, I could be useful there for that year. And so, yeah, we uh, sold our house in Toronto. My school gave me a year of absence. Uh, and they said, when you come back, you have your job here. Wow. Which was great. And we went down to Guatemala, which was quite the experience. It was... Uh, very wonderful in so many ways. Uh, there were lots of things the Lord taught us through that year as well. Uh, 
certainly uh, one of our, our <laughs> it was a great welcome. We're in the airport with all of our bags, mountains of bags. And uh, so I'm marching ahead with all the bags. Sharon's got the five kids kind of trying to keep up with me as we weave our way through the people in the airport. And a lady comes up to Sharon and she says, never let these kids out of your sight, not for one minute. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so that was kind of our welcome. Yeah, it was not a great welcome. And also everyone kept trying to take the bags away from me. And Wolf's like, don't let anyone take the bags. They want money for it. And I was like, oh, this is terrifying. Anyways, I also was, uh, we went into it a little bit blind. Like we had no idea. We actually didn't know that much about the whole work in the church there. Um, and I was kind of expecting it to be like where Wolf's parents we're living. And actually by that time, Will's brother and his wife and family were living there too. So I kind of thought, well, the kids will, you know, have some play sports and, uh, you know, take swimming lessons and all the things that my nieces and nephews were doing in Mexico. But uh, it was very different. It was literally a town at the end of the road. And um, there was not much happening in the town for um, for the kids to do. And thankfully, the Lord provided different things in, in a really beautiful way. And uh, we're very thankful. Um, and yeah, like Guelph said, I feel like it. we really learned a lot. And I think it was invaluable really for the preparation for what we do now. Yeah. So initially, were you as stoked... Um as Uncle Wolf about oh, uh, a, what year, a, question. a year abroad. Uh, no, <laughs> like, oh, your, not your at eyes all. light up at that idea. Like, a year abroad learning stuff. <laughs> and I get that. But Yes. See, Wolf is, uh, in some ways, you marvel at the Lord bringing us together. You think you would have given him a really adventurous person for a wife. I'm not very adventurous. Uh, I could just stay in one house and be fine. My parents lived in the same house for over 40 years. So, and I could have been quite happy that way. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Wolf was very sensitive to uh, what I thought as well. Um, in fact, at one point we were thinking of going for longer and I uh, sort of broke down one time and said to Wolf, I can't do it. I cannot go in my heart. I just feel somehow like I can't do it. And uh, Wolf right away said to me, that's really fine. I feel like that the Lord very clearly speaks through my wife as well. And that was really beautiful for me. And strangely enough, in that situation, I prayed about it for the weekend. By the end of the weekend, I said to Wilf, I'm good. I can do it. Mm. I never would have thought that that would have happened. But that was totally from the Lord. And just the confidence that Wilf had in me, too, was uh, really helpful. So mm. it was very overwhelming. I'd had Lauren. She was born in March. We left in July. Nate was nine so, you know, and we had the five kids, so it was quite an experience and we had to bring toys for them and books and we packed up our entire house. So many people were so great though. Someone gave us a storage unit for free. Someone else gave us boxes to move, even a moving truck. Like, so it was just, you know, the Lord's good gifts mm. along the way are amazing. That's incredible. Y'all took five kids down to Guatemala for a year. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a big thing. It was, it was something else, but it, you know, it was really neat. And I did know that when I married Wolf, that he was adventurous, that he spoke Spanish fluently. And I felt very strongly that the Lord was going to use him in different ways. So mm. I was prepared in that way, but also not very prepared for the day by day, but it's been very good. 
Yeah. So was it a year that you guys spent in Guatemala? Or It was a year that we spent there, yes. Um, I think looking back, one thing I didn't, I should have anticipated more is that uh, Sharon didn't really speak a lot of Spanish at that point. Um, and that the year would be especially difficult because of that. And like Sharon said, we didn't know a lot about Kubulko at the time. I as well sort of thought that it was a little going to be a little more similar to where my brother and my parents were living in Mexico and that we could easily find a teacher for Sharon uh, to help her with Spanish. But uh, it didn't uh, happen that way. Um, and so for that year, uh, it was... Uh, for, for me, it was a matter of just kind of jumping in and, and plugging into the ministry in so many ways and, and meeting all kinds of uh, people. And, and I really am so thankful for that opportunity uh, to just get a flavor of, of Guatemala, Guatemalan culture, mm. so different from Mexico, so different from Mexican culture, and to learn to appreciate uh, those people for, for who they are. It was really beautiful. Um, but it was harder for Sharon because, you know, we would have lots of people through our home, but, you know, we couldn't, she couldn't really communicate with them. And the majority of the people in that town, actually, their native language was not Spanish. So it was an indigenous language. Um, and so there was sort of another layer of complexity there. So I think it was... Um, it was really great uh, for Sharon. She really did rise to the challenge in so many ways of raising the kids there and embracing the good things. Um, for our children as well, especially Nate and Chris, they learned to speak Spanish that year. It was really, really interesting. I know that kids are programmed in God's providence to, to pick up languages, but it was really cool to watch it happen. Uh, we had decided to send the kids to a local school Schools there ran from 7.30 to 12.30. So we put the kids in school and we homeschooled them when they got home in the afternoons. Uh, so there they were just kind of as sponges at the beginning, just kind of soaking up the language. And I think it was Kristen first. She came home with some friends and she's opening her mouth and speaking Spanish, like with a perfect accent and grammatically correct. And I was like, I was so blown away. <laughs> I had no idea, right? Uh, it was really amazing. And, huh. uh, and that's really special because then we came back to this ministry here. Uh, they could be that much more a part of what we do and having people through our home and being able to speak to them. And that's true to this day, both uh, Nathan and Kristen, uh, especially uh, the, their language speaking abilities are such a blessing to what we do. So our younger kids, uh, do study as they move on through high school. The Abeka course offers in grade 11 and 12. Uh, so our young kids uh, will study it or have studied it uh, through that. But uh, there's nothing like being immersed, obviously, in it. Yeah. So it's Nathan and Kristen that have really picked it up the best. Yeah. Gotcha. Wow. So then you came back here. And was it basically an immediate transition to this stuff, to the kind of work you're doing now? Or did you go back to... Uh, to your school? No. So that was an immediate transition. Okay. So the, uh, probably about in January. So we, we moved when school was out, we moved down to Guatemala and probably in January, the committee, uh, approached me once again and they said, Hey, would you be willing to take this work here, uh, into a full-time work? And I said, yeah, I will, I will try that for a year. I said, let's give it a year hmm. because I didn't really know. I was like, well, what's it going to look like? Am I not, am I not going to be busy enough in the winter months? Is there going to be fewer workers in the area? So, I, you know, it was, an, it was a step of faith again, but I felt like at that point we had um, uprooted ourselves. We had sold our house in Brampton. 
Uh, I did, of course, have to tell my school that no, I was not going to be coming back, uh, which was sad for me and difficult for me at the time. Uh, but the Lord, once again, was very faithful. So uh, Sharon has an uncle and aunt who live here in Vineland, and they were going to spend a year in PEI. And they approached us and they said, uh, our house is going to be empty starting in July. Uh, are you guys going to need a house to live in when you come back? And yeah, we came back end of June to a house to live in right here in Vineland, a furnished house. So we could leave our furniture and stuff in storage for that year to kind of see how things played out. And we didn't have to commit to buying a house uh, or even to look to rent a house. The Lord just provided all those things for us. That's awesome. Yeah, it really, really was amazing. And uh, we uh, began that work and, uh, well, this work that we do now, and it's been such a blessing, is such a blessing to this day. Uh, the the ability to walk alongside of so many men and so many women, uh, some as they go through points of need in their life, um, you know, so many of them, uh, you know, they go through all the things that we go through, uh, but they're in a foreign country. So you, you, you get bad news. So your dad is sick, or your mom has passed away suddenly, or your son or your daughter in, in, in Mexico or Guatemala uh, has had a serious accident. Uh, and they're here and they receive that news. Um, or even things like, yeah, you, you have cancer uh, and you receive that here alone. Uh, or things like serious accidents or serious illnesses where the, where the person actually breathes their last here. And I've been uh, right there uh, in, beside them in, in, in the hospital rooms as, uh, you know, the Lord's called them to his presence. Um, sometimes saying uh, goodbye to their family with video calls if we couldn't get a family member here fast enough. Mm. Uh, so it, it's, it's been quite a journey. Um, but some of these men and these women we've known now since 2001. So there's a lot of changeover in the men and women, but there's also many who are the same. So some of our relationships go back a long time. There's every year many new people that the Lord puts across our path. Uh, but we are just so thankful for the uh, opportunity to each week at church to open God's word. And these men and these women, most people are from a Catholic background. Um, so there is uh, some understanding of these truths. Um, but the majority have maybe never opened a Bible or rarely have opened a Bible. So to uh, open God's word and to explore deeper these truths is a really wonderful opportunity. It's a privilege, really. And we're thankful to be able to do that. And I would like to just give a big shout out really to the, the, the three churches in this area and many others who aren't even from those three churches. There's a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot of people in the Niagara area that uh, enable this ministry to happen. So I'm kind of the, the front face of it, but there are hundreds really of very, very faithful volunteers, some of them as well going back to 2001, where they are, for example, some people will drive every Sunday or every Tuesday. And they're there, they're, they're picking people up, they're bringing them, no one's paying them for their time, but they do it of a big heart. And it's difficult. Sometimes you go to a farm and, uh, you know, they're working late that day and they can't come out. Mm. And so they've driven maybe out f from Vineland to Niagara on the Lake, you know, a 45 minute drive and there's nobody to show for it. Um, you know, we try and minimize those kind of things, but it can happen and does happen. 
but the just the, the the faithful drivers, the, the faithful piano players, the the musical people who come. If we talk about the English program on Tuesday nights, like the teachers, uh, some of the teachers have been teaching for ten plus years. Uh, every Tuesday night, they're there and they've got a lesson prepared. Um, we can talk about. The barbecues, for example, we could talk about the barbecue that just happened this past May. So it was Vine and Free Reform's church time. We hadn't had some barbecues for a couple of years because of the uh, the COVID situation. So it was our first one, and and people are like, "So how many people do you expect?" I'm like, "Well, normally there's between like two and maybe up to four hundred people that come out to these." So I'm like. I'm not really sure, you know, post COVID, yeah. there's a lot of changeover in the farms, lots yeah. of new faces. So will people come? I think so. So I said, why don't we prepare for 400? Cause that's kind of the, the, been the top number. And, uh, so yeah, people start coming and people start coming and we had over 500 people that night. <laughs> really? <laughs> and shout out to Shar Noonhuis. And she's just like, she's so calm. Honestly, she was so calm. She's just like, okay, yeah, that's great. And yeah. it just made it happen. And it was, it was great. It was absolutely great. 500 migrant yeah. workers from around here. Yeah. That's it crazy. Was, it was great. Yeah. So, um, just really thankful for the the people on on the committee. Like, there's been a lot of people that make up my committee that I report to, uh, that have been on that committee for a very long time, mm. and just are so faithful uh, in setting leadership and and people that uh, also um, are there for me personally. So they'll they'll call me up and say, "How how are things going? You know, tell me how things are going," and and are genuinely interested. You know, so other people from the churches who have learned Spanish specifically for this ministry, so they can kind of come alongside uh, people who in regularly invite uh, some of these men and these ladies over, some of them who speak a little bit better English, uh, they've gotten to know really well. And it's, it's exciting to see that. And we're, we're very thankful, really thankful. Uh, because, yeah, I'm kind of the face of this ministry in many ways, but... It could never happen without all of those people. So really thankful for our churches and their faithfulness. Yeah. That's awesome. And so needed too, right? Like the, the, like the opportunities, like sometimes I just forget how big of an opportunity there is here. We've also, um, Wilf didn't mention that, but over the years we've had the opportunity to go to Mexico and visit the different okay. people in their homes, um, which has been really neat. And just a reminder again of the large mission field that Mexico is. Um, there are hardly any Bible-believing churches where most of these men and women are from. So they're coming here and having the opportunity to hear the gospel is just an absolutely phenomenal um, opportunity because the chances of a missionary going to their town in Mexico is highly unlikely mm. uh, because it's just not a, a huge area for, uh, you know, if we're going to send missionaries, we're probably going to hit the cities, you know, that kind of thing, not so much the smaller towns. So to have the opportunity to share the gospel with them here. Um, and then their desire to go home and to share the gospel with their family is is just really um, a beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah, that's it's so cool. The nations come to us sometimes, and that's helpful. <laughs> it is. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. And um, 
Yeah, like Sharon said, because we've been able to go to Mexico uh, many times now as a family and and visit with these men and these women and to get to know their families, um, it's special to see uh, how God works and the window that we've had to see God work uh, is a very special thing. And we're, th- we're thankful for that opportunity. Uh, we're thankful for our church community as well, that this is something where you can say, God, how can I be used? Uh, there's so many ways with this ministry uh, that God has used our churches and is using our churches. And uh, the blessing that comes from serving others, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we, it's kind of like a trust that God has entrusted us uh, with this opportunity. And I'm thankful for that opportunity. Hmm. And, you know, I would say there is a continued ongoing opportunity. For example, you know, some people, yeah, when they're maybe a little bit older, they've got lots of time for driving, or if they're younger, they've got time for driving, maybe the kids come along fast and furious, and all of a sudden, yeah, I can't be involved in this ministry the same way I was, and that's okay. The Lord uses people for times and seasons, Uh, but I would say there are always opportunities for more people to get involved in this ministry in that way, Um, in terms of English on on Tuesday nights as well. the Lord has brought a lot of different people through as helpers or as teachers, and this year we have a wonderful group of young men, young ladies helping out. Uh, and each year there is an open door for more of that. Uh, people who in, uh, get to know some of these men and these ladies and invite them into their homes. And uh, some of them want to learn English really well and invite them to Spanish speaking, uh, English-speaking church, hmm. and it's great. So there's, there's lots of good things happening and, uh, and, and moving forward. I, I just uh, also would say, those of you who are listening, uh, there's room here. There's room here, and, and God can use you, for sure. Amen. I really enjoyed this conversation. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? I guess I would like specific, I would specifically mm. like to say for younger people who are listening, mm. uh, as you... You, you sort of see your, your life uh, stretching out ahead of you, and, and your heart is there to serve the Lord. Um, we have a great God. We have a God that will, will change you. He will use you. He will shape you, make you, remold you into his image. Um, and I would say, pray specifically to him. Pray, God, how can you use me? Um, don't underestimate what God can do through you. Uh, all of us, yeah, we're sinful, we're flawed, um, but the Lord forgives, and the Lord heals, and the Lord changes, um, and the Lord, it does say in Ephesians 2 that that we are as workmanship created for good works that God has ordained for us to do, mm. and that's exciting, that sense of purpose. And so I would say, uh, pray to the Lord, how how can I use my time now for wider doors of ministry later? And just be faithful where you are. So start reading some really good books. Uh, Just love your time with God and His Word. Enjoy Him for who He is. Mm. Uh, And and then do some things that take you out of your comfort zone where you're forced to rely on the Lord. Um, so many times I feel like I don't know what to say in this situation. I don't know what to do in this situation. And I pray, God, none of these things are impossible for you. Mm. So quit me. 
And as you do that, uh, God will answer those prayers. Uh, God is faithful to uh, who he is. He is the God who is, right? He's the God who I am who I am. His his desire to hear our prayers, to answer our prayers is based on his character. Mm. And he has plans to use us. And that's an exciting thing for his yeah. honor and for his glory. Yeah, for sure. Um, even Aunt Sharon, I really appreciate that you said that you were scared to do some of these things, but you still did them and you still kept doing them. I am continually very scared. <laughs> My Spanish is still not actually very good. So I have to really put myself out there. And especially when we take these trips to Mexico, it is challenging. It's interesting because mm. some people will be like, you know, oh, you went to Mexico for a couple of weeks. How fantastic. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> uh, but not exactly. You know, so, it, it's not a vacation. It's, it's a challenge for me. By the end of the night, I'm exhausted from mm. trying to translate everything in my head. Um, so, yeah, I know I need to work more on that. It's been a lot of busy years with the kids being younger. Um, but I'm looking forward to moving forward that way. And uh, again, just super thankful that the Lord gave me wealth, who actually challenges me more than uh, I would probably challenge myself. So, uh, yeah, we're just so thankful for the opportunities, even though sometimes it is hard. Mm. I'm not going to say that what we do even now has challenges for our family. And um, there have been times where it feels tiring and difficult. Um, but you go on a Sunday night and you see people who need the Lord and you feel again revitalized to mm. continue on and to be faithful. So we're very thankful. Just ending with this, if you guys want to, you both mentioned books that were really helpful to you. If there's one or two books that you, maybe someone's listening to this and kind of want to start thinking through these things. Are there any books that were particularly inspiring for you guys um, in the many that your parents forced you to read back in the day? <laughs> I love Isabel Kuhn. I know okay. that she's not that widely known. Um, but I read her book by searching when I was uh, a teenager. Again, my dad gave it to me and I've read it so many times and I've given out multitudes of copies because I think everyone should read it. It's, uh, she went as a missionary to China eventually, and she has other books that are lesser known, but I love all of them. Um, and so for me, she was probably the most inspiring cause she just really showed me, uh, the joy of a life of sacrifice to the Lord. Hmm. What's the book title? The book title is By Searching. By Searching, okay. Yeah, interesting title, but it's yeah. based on the scripture verse, who by searching can know the Lord. Okay. So. So I would definitely echo that book. I read that book in grade eight. Uh, great book. Little book, easy read, a really good book. Um, I would just say the the missionary biographies and autobiographies. Uh, I, Hudson Taylor, absolutely. Uh, different ones uh, about him were very influential in my life. Um, Adoniram Judson, uh, just, yeah, a lot of the people who were sent out sort of in, in those earlier years of sort of American missions, uh, but uh, by God's grace, I, I'd read very extensively. Um, so any missionary biography, I would say other books, though, that are not necessarily missionary ones um, that the Lord used uh, in my life, I would definitely say Holiness by J.C. Ryle. Mm. So J.C. Ryle, uh, Anglican Bishop, um, 
and wrote a long time ago, but very clear writing. So if, if uh, young men out there listening, Thoughts for Young Men, uh, excellent book by J.C. Ryle. Uh, his writing is really clear and to the point. So I definitely put a little plug in for, for that book as well. The book Holiness is a bit of a longer book, but I took it chapter by chapter when I was about 18. Uh, and, and it's a great book for okay. sure. Gotcha. Again, thank you guys both for, for coming on telling your stories. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're glad that you asked us and uh, just want to give a shout out to God. You know, mm-hmm. just so thankful that God uh, has been so faithful to us and mm-hmm. has opened so many doors for us in our lives and thankful that he is faithful from day to day. As Sharon said, it's not always easy. You wake up some days and yeah, you're just like, God, I need strength for today. And he is faithful. And that's wonderful. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast's conversation. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, consider subscribing and sharing and all that jazz. It's immensely helpful. I'm all about having meaningful, interesting conversations. So if you know of someone I should talk to, hit me up on Instagram at It's the Volk. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>